Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, Make Room for Revival, and was spoken by Veni Azzolini. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 4. Verses 8 through 11, if you have it, say amen. If you're cheating and you're looking at the screen, say amen. All right. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came in thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. I want to preach to you for the next few moments this morning. Make room for revival. Make room for revival. Would you pray with me before you're seated? Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful to be gathered together in your house with people of like precious faith. Lord, I pray that you would release the operation of the gift of faith in this room right now. Lord, I pray that miracles would be poured out as your word goes forth. That people would be filled and refilled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that every stronghold of fear Lord would be broken now in Jesus name and that the liberty that we felt during song service Lord would continue as your word goes forth for it to work and bring forth fruit in our lives in Jesus name in Jesus name amen you may be seated that word revive uh, we often use it in the Christian world and the church world uh, to signify a special set of services uh, that are coming up where we're going to focus on revival. But the word revive by definition means to restore to life or consciousness, to restore to life or consciousness. This uh, by definition indicates that life is being restored to something that had life at one point or should be living now. When I found out that I was going to be a father, my boss at work said something to me that I have never forgotten. He said, you need to understand something. He said, it's not about you anymore. (laughs) And I thought, well, thank you for that little nugget. But I came to understand that it was much more than that because it most certainly was not about me anymore. I forgot what it was like to have a hot meal and a good night's sleep. I reminisce about the days when I went where I wanted, whenever I wanted, 
And it didn't take 60 minutes to leave the house. That little baby, that little life took over my entire existence. She dominated the schedule in our house. She dominated meal times and sleep times. So much power that little life had. So much occupying power that little life had. John 3 and 5 says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When we are born again, it is meant to have the same effect as when a family has a child. Overnight, our new birth experience is going to begin to take over our life. See, when I went down in the water and received the name of Jesus and he breathed his spirit into me, I became born again. I became one of his. And I didn't realize that when I became born again, that that experience would have an occupying power in my life. All of a sudden, it wasn't about me anymore again. As his spirit began to take over my life, it required me to surrender more and more of myself to him. More and more of my heart real estate uh, I signed over to him. As every day went by, my selfish ambitions, my selfish desires, I began to hand over to the Lord as he began to occupy the territory of my life. When Elisha passed by the Shunammite woman, she constrained him to come in and eat bread. And as we all know, he came in to eat bread because he's a man. And when men are offered food, they say yes. So he came in to eat bread. And that one experience changed that lady's life forever. You know, the Bible says when he passed by, she constrained him to come inside. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. I believe there's some people that came in here today deciding they weren't going to take no for an answer. Saying, God, you pass by here every Sunday. But on this Sunday, you're going to come in uh, and we're going to have an experience at the table. Uh, God, my life is a wreck. Uh, my situation is dire. Uh, my need is greater than my resources. Uh, so, Lord, I'm going to constrain you uh, to step into my situation today. Uh, I'm going to constrain train you huh, to come and sit at my table huh, because I need to have an encounter with you. That one experience began to occupy that lady's entire life. The Bible says that after she constrained him to come in and eat bread, every time afterward, he just stopped by and see if she was home. She just stopped by and see if she was available. You know that's how God is? 
it only takes one time at an altar. It only takes one time being baptized in the name of Jesus and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he says, I'm going to stop by every morning and see if you're there. I'm going to stop by every Bible study and see if you're there. I just want to sit at the table with you. I want to occupy more of your time. I want to occupy more of your life. I don't want it to just be a meal, but I want to come in and dine with you continually. He was looking for a space to occupy. Mm. Every morning I get up and make coffee. And then I got a little habit. I, I walk outside and I walk up and down our driveway if the weather's nice. And I, and I pray outside walking up and down the driveway. And this morning the Lord said something to me that really kind of uh, grabbed my attention. Anybody ever use the term prayer closet before, right? I got to go to my prayer closet. Lord said to me this morning, he said, you know, he said, I'm tired of being compartmentalized in people's life. He said, I'm not looking for a prayer closet. I'm looking for a prayer life. And that's exactly the direction the relationship went with that Shunammite woman. She constrained him once. And every time thereafter, he stopped on by. She said, you know what? This is so good. We ought to just make some space for him to abide here. I don't want him to feel like he's got to get up and leave after dessert. I want him to stay as long as he wants. I want his presence to abide in my house. The atmosphere changes every time he steps in the room. Why don't we make him a little chamber? Why don't we set him up with everything he needs to occupy some territory in our home? Hey, I'm here today to tell you that God is looking for that space in your life today. He's saying, look, you constrained me once. I've stopped by from time to time. Sometimes you were there and sometimes you weren't. And you come in week after week and you're dealing with the issues and you're dealing with the chaos. But if you would just let me abide a while, we could begin to work on some things. We could begin to rearrange some things. Why don't you make some space for me to abide in your life. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Ha, repent. Woo. You know what repentance is? Or you know what it's not, rather? It's not confession. Confession is a ingredient of repentance. But it is not repentance. <laughs> repentance is when you make room for God in your life. It's not just saying, God, 
I'm sorry for everything I've done, but I intend to go back to it tomorrow. It's when you say, God, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. I'm sorry for the idols that I've allowed to dominate my mind, that I've allowed to dominate my affections, that I've allowed to dominate my heart. God, I'm sorry for the wickedness of my heart, but God, I'm clearing it out today. I called the U-Haul truck and I'm moving some stuff out of my house and I'm making room for you to abide. You know, somewhere along the way, we washed down repentance and we just made it confession. You know what we did? We compartmentalized God and said, you can have an experience in an altar. If you'll repent for 30 seconds, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Mm. And God's saying, hey, you can get an experience in just about any church that you walk into. I'm not looking to give you an experience. I'm looking for a place to abide. I'm looking for somebody who will say, I'm going to create room for you so you can rearrange my life. You can rearrange my desires. You can rearrange the way I think. You can rearrange the way I walk. You can rearrange the way I talk. God, I'm clearing this stuff out. I want you to stay in my house. Anybody ever seen those coexist bumper stickers? Yeah, me too. (laughs) You know, I looked for that in here and I I wasn't able to find it. I saw that in Genesis he separated light from darkness. And then as the children of Israel went on their journey, every territory that they took, he said, I want you to completely eradicate the enemy. He said, don't leave any left. Did you know God did not create you to coexist with your chaos? He didn't create you to coexist with with your carnality. He didn't create you to coexist with the comfort that this world offers and say, hey, you can keep your flesh comfortable and still have an experience with God. Oh no, my friend, when I read this book, it says I need to take up my cross and follow him. You know what that means? That means I'm getting rid of me. I'm getting rid of all of me and I'm giving him the space to abide in my life. I'm going to make room for him to bring life where death once lived. Romans says there is now therefore no condemnation. Ah. If you're living with condemnation, that's because somewhere in your life, there's a door open where you have allowed yourself to coexist with the flesh. Mm. And so you find yourself in a constant struggle where you're trying to appease the appetite of the flesh, but still walk in the promises of God. Mm. 
but it doesn't work like that. God wants occupying power in the life of every believer. He's saying, I want you to give all to me. Mm. See, repentance, when we repent, see, some of you forgot, thought I forgot where I was, didn't you? When we repent, it starts by giving him the stuff that we don't want, right? We give him the hurt, the pain, the condemnation, the mess, the chaos, the stuff that we can't carry. But then you know what happens after that? When God begins to move and we begin to experience that healing and that restoration in our life and things begin to look a little better, all of a sudden we say, okay, we'll take the reins back. We start falling in love with the remodel of our life mm. instead of the one who gave us new life. Ah, and 10 years down the road, we wonder, why am I still struggling with the same thing? It's because a whole long time ago, you said, God, I'll take it from here. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance requires a desire for God and a surrendering of real estate in your life. Mm. It's when you clear out everything that crowded out Jesus before. Huh. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <laughs> God wants to transform your life. And yeah, it starts on a personal level. I remember uh, when my wife came into church. We've been going to Bible studies for a long time, and and she came in, and and you know I didn't even warn her what she was walking into. I brought her to a revival service on a Monday night, and Brother Eli Hernandez was preaching. It's what you call baptism by fire. <clears throat> I said, yeah, let's just go sit up here on the front row. See if you can dodge it. <laughs> she couldn't dodge it faster. She got the Holy Ghost <laughs> before the preaching even started. She went home and immediately her life began to transform. Brother Hernandez said, I want you to make a list of things that you want God to do in your life, and I want you to begin to pray that list. You know, in the beginning, the list was personal. It was like, Lord, I've made a complete disaster of my life. I need you to fix it, right? That's item one. But I noticed that list began to change as time went on, and it became less and less about me, less and less about us and more and more 
about the will of the Lord. Some of us get stuck in that transformation where it's just about us. This morning in that prayer room, God said, I'm taking this church over the threshold of transformation. He said, they've been stuck there for a long time. He said, but I've had a harvest in this city waiting and white for a long time. And their mindset is getting ready to change. Let me tell you how the Holy Ghost works. It starts in an upper room, but it doesn't take very long before it goes outside and it begins to affect everyone and everything around it. I tell you in the name of Jesus, this thing's getting ready to spill into the streets. This revival is not just about us anymore, but it's spilling forth and it's affecting those around us. It's making an impact in your city in your community, in your circle of influence. Mm. Ah. <coughs> ah. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost will always lead you to revival. Ah. Hallelujah. Mm. Can I get that uh, first? Well, let me just say this first. Hold on. This living room here, if you give my title screen again, please. This living room here, let you in on a little secret here, okay? This is Sister Stark's living room. And I did not get permission to take this picture, all right? So this is our secret, all right? So I took this picture one day as I was walking out the door. And I took it because one thing that's funny is she's always got more seating in a room than you could ever imagine, right? Because she likes to have people around or whatever. And so she can fit more seating into a room than a room really should have, right? I didn't say that, okay? That's our secret too. And uh, now give me my next slide. So this here is a representation of what our lives looked like in January and February. It was like this room. It was completely full. Family, church, work, worrying, entertainment, extracurricular activities, sleep, chores, ministry, me time, and so on and so on, right? This was our life. Can anybody, anybody want to say amen to that? Uh, you don't have to feel guilty. I was the same way, right? All right, we can go back to that title screen. If somebody wanted to give her a couch, she'd have to get rid of something. She'd have to move some stuff out in order to receive it. Huh. Hmm. You know what was happening in January and February in the first few weeks of March? The church was having revival. I didn't hear one amen. Not one. The church was having revival. The church was having global revival. The North American church was experiencing exponential growth. Mm. But we didn't have a lot of room. And I'm not talking about pew space. 
I'm talking about we didn't have a lot of room in our life to receive the revival that was happening. And all of a sudden, in the middle of March, everything shut down. That song, Clear the Stage, comes to mind. Everything in our life was removed. And all of a sudden, we had more time than we knew what to do with. And over the last few months, as things have begun to reopen, and life has resumed some semblance of normalcy, I hear the Holy Ghost asking, who's going to keep some room available for the revival that I have in this season? Don't make the mistake of crowding out what God is doing as this world pushes to get back to a new normal. Bashandaroboshia. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Huh. I've come today to challenge the feeling of permanency that this season is pushing on the church. The Bible says that there is a season to everything. You know what that means? That means it has to end sometime. And we need to understand that this season is ending. It's coming to a close. You can, mm. See, I, f- I feel a resistance right here, but I'm just going to keep on pushing right through it. This season is coming to a close. You know what I did six weeks ago? I turned off, hold on to your pews, everything. I turned off the radio. I turned off the news. I turned off social media. Everything. And now when I walk into a store, I almost forget what is happening until I get there. But do you know what voice I'm hearing more clearly now? You know what I'm not feeling? Fear. I'm not feeling anxiety. Because six weeks ago, I made a decision that nothing was going to creep in and crowd out the space that was created in the midst of this pandemic. I said, God, your word has promised us a latter rain, an end time revival. And it seems like everything that can be shaken has been shaken. Lord, I'm reading through this book and everything I see tells me that it's the end time. Everything I see tells me that you're coming back for your church soon. So, Lord, I'm not going to coexist with anything that this world has to offer. I'm not going to allow anything to come in and crowd out the space that's been created. God, I'm going to make room in my life for revival, and I'm not going to let anything else take its place. I challenge you today. Are you ready to make room for revival? Are you ready? to make room for revival. God is speaking. God is moving in this hour. God is performing miracles in this hour. You've got to make room for revival. Huh. 
Can you fit revival into your life? It requires room. Requires room for sacrifice, for prayer, for personal consecration, for selfless service, for intercession, for teaching, for forbearing, for forgiving, for unity, for encouraging, for preparing, for discipling, and for maturing. The Lord has promised us revival, but we have to make room for it in our life. Mm. The Shunammite woman who made room for the man of God, for the word of God to operate in her life. Something happened to her. If you don't know the rest of this story, man of God asked her, or rather he asked his servant to ask her, Gehazi, he said, find out what it is that she needs. He said, okay. So he discovers that she had never had a child. And so the man of God prophesies and says, you're going to have a child. It wasn't very long after that before she had a child. Hmm. Life <laughs> began to reside in the very space where she had made room for promise to abide. Time went by and that child goes to work with dad. And while he's out in the field, he says, Dad, I got a headache. And dads do. Dad did what dads do. He said, go see mom, right? I don't know what to do with that. Just go talk to mom about it. So he came home and died. Mm. <laughs> Any of you ever felt like you had received a promise from God, like a prayer had been answered, and all of a sudden it just slipped through your fingers like sand. You were trying to grab a hold of it, but there was nothing you could do within your power to grasp it, and it just got away from you. Hmm. How many times have you felt like you were in revival? Like this is the one. This is the breakthrough. Here are the promises that God's been promising us for years, for decades, for generations. And then all of a sudden it just slips through your hands. Is that just me? <laughs> that little boy dies. She says, you know what? I'm going to go talk to the one who gave me the promise. I'm going to go settle this with him. So she tracks him down. He's ministering, right? He sees her in the back of the crowd. He sends Gehazi over. He said, go, go and ask her, is everything all right? So Gehazi comes over to her. Just lost the child. And the Shunammite woman looks at the servant and says, it is well. Woo. That spirit of constraint was on her again. She made a decision that this time this promise isn't going to die. 
I'm going to get my promise and I'm going to get my miracle. She said, Gehazi, it is well. You better just move out of the way because I'm not going to go through a middleman today. I'm going to talk to the one who gave me the promise and we're going to settle this right here, right now. So she gets a hold of Elisha. Says, Elisha, you're coming to the house because I got a promise laying there that you gave me a long time ago and I refuse to accept the current set of circumstances. Second Kings 4 and 33 and 34 say this. Elisha follows her to the house and the Bible says he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain. That means it was just Elisha and the dead promise. You know, sometimes you just got to shove everything and everyone else out of the room and say, God, you gave me a promise and we're going to have a talk about it right here, right now, because I don't see that promise bringing forth the life that you once said. The Bible says he shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. You know what coexisting does? It takes away that attitude of constrainment. And when the promise dies, you concede instead of fight. But when that attitude of constraint comes on you and you've made room for him to abide in your life, when that promise stops producing, you say, oh, no, God, we're going to have a talk. Oh, I remember this promise that you gave me. God, I'm going to speak life back into this promise. I'm not going to let it lay here dead and lifeless on the table but God I command it to become warm again I command it to have eyes again I command fresh breath to come in to this promise again hey church listen I know it seems like time and time again revival has slipped through your fingers but I've come with a word from the Lord for you today speak life back into that revival he hasn't sounded that trumpet yet there's still an end time harvest to be reached there's still a revival to reap make room for revival and that concludes this podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please like share and subscribe and for those of you on iTunes leave us a good rating Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.